0: I'm really excited about this series, mostly because one of my favorite things to do is sit around the campfire. Um, And so we are going to do a series on fire. Uh, One of the things that I have learned a lot about fire in the last year and a half, I like to do fires, and one of the guys that go to church here with us does it a lot. Uh, His name's Dustin. And what's really funny is Dustin uh, doesn't do campfires in his backyard. He does it in his front yard, which is uh, a really weird thing. So we sit in his front yard at the campfire and and hang out. And uh, we get talking about about the significance of fire over the years. And uh, it's really crazy. It's different. Fire to us now is different than what it's been throughout all of mankind's history. Fire was probably the first... Significant, I wouldn't say invention, but when, we, when man learned to control fire, it changed man's strength and significance on the earth, if you would. So I thought about a few things uh, with him that fire has done for us. Uh, one, I don't know if you like to watch Bear Grylls or any of these shows, but they'll tell you the first thing you do if you're ever in the woods and you're stuck overnight is you build yourself a fire. Well, me and Teresa like to watch some of these weird shows, and uh, these guys are down in Africa in the bush, and there's lions, literally lions, around them. And they just build a fire. And they use this as a number one method to keep away animals. Animals are afraid of fire, and they think that it's uh, something nervous, and so it's not just a, a source of comfort to have light and push out darkness, but it also keeps animals at bay. Fire has been used for medicine. You look back in some of the old war stories, when they didn't have a, a medic on hand and someone got shot in the leg or someone got stabbed or their leg got cut off, they burned that sucker and it brought healing and took out infection and took out any of the other stuff that was going on. I mean, fire was a, was a medicine. Not only did it help us have food and produce it, and it, later we would learn that it could create warmth. Um, that warmth uh, would go to, on to, first of all, that warmth would go on to make things like brick that would build houses. Later fire would go on to invent electricity and so on and so forth and through the ages, thousands, with the exception of the last 200 years, man has gathered around campfire to have fellowship. In their living room, in their kitchen, man would smoke his pipe and sit with his kids and hang out and talk about life. And it was all around the fire after the mom made dinner, dad made whatever, you know, we sat there and we, we talked and we let the time pass. And now The fire, we don't need the fire because we have a house. And now we don't need the fire because we have heat. And now we don't need the fire because we have a stove. And all of this was brought by the fire. And now we don't need the fire because we have television. And so life has moved a lot faster, and when it was more simple, the fire did a lot of things for us. And with that understanding, as you read the scripture, fire was throughout the Bible as a significance of who God is, because fire was the most awesome thing that man could see, and to represent God, they were like, Well, wow, God is so, what, fire, fire is awesome. It is awesome, it is scary, it is powerful, it is dangerous, it is beautiful, it is helpful, it is fire, it's pretty rad. Anyways, I have a, my, one of my favorite movie clips of all time. I'm gonna show you it right now. Fire. Here we go. <laughs> I love that movie. That's so cool. And I, I love his beer gut. He's like, he's like, whoa, fire. I don't know. Anyways, uh, Tom Hanks is uh, pretty rad in that movie. And uh, fire is significant. So throughout scripture, God has revealed himself in fire. The scripture literally says that God is a consuming fire. Mariti, again. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us. Be thankful. And so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. I don't know who you think or what you think of when you think of the Lord, but He is a consuming fire. This is what the scripture would define as who He is. We find way back in, in, in scripture, in the book of Exodus, when God, one of the first times that God reveals himself to man is, is there on, and on, in, in, let me take you there in Exodus chapter three, uh, verse one. And Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb the mountain of God. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from within a bush. And Moses saw that the bush was on fire, but it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this sight. Why the bush does not burn up. And when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, the Lord God called from within the bush. Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, the Lord said to him. So you got to get this picture that Moses is walking in the wilderness and he sees something that's odd. He sees a fire off in the distance. He's doing his job. He's tending a flock and he sees the Lord and he decides at that moment he has an interruption in his life. Is he going to continue down the path that he's going or is he going to set a new direction and pursue the Lord? And he, he says, I'm going I'm to go, let me go and see. He decides something in his heart. And I think that that's so important. The decision in his heart to, to set out to go and discover the Lord. What is it, this fire? And the fire doesn't burn. The bush, what's happening in this scenario? He sets out to seek the Lord. In multiple times in scripture, God would reveal himself in fire. One of my favorite passages in all of the Bible is found in Revelations when John was exiled on an island. John was one of the disciples, and he became old in age. He was the only apostle that wasn't martyred. And so in order to kill him, they tried to kill him many times. I don't know if you're aware of this, but they tried to boil him in oil. They tried to stone him to death multiple times. And so they realized they couldn't kill this old fart. And so they were going to set him off to an island alone where he couldn't influence anyone. He couldn't make any disciples. He couldn't do anything. He would just be alone. And there on an island, he was in prayer on the day of the Lord, and he had a vision. And from that vision, we find the book of Revelations. And one of the most powerful books of the whole Bible, man, I dare you to read it. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 1 that anyone that reads this book will be blessed. I think that that's awesome. In the vision, he sees Jesus. And Jesus, looking at him, he he realizes, man, this is a glorious thing. His gown is white, Lord of lords, king of kings. He's got a sword in his hand, fiery. Let me show you verse 14. It says that the hair on his head was white like wool and white as snow, and in his eyes were like a blazing fire. Now, I don't know if, if it really looked like a fire or if there was anything else that he could think of on earth that would have symbolized that. But when he looked in his eyes, there was something that was awesome. Now, the scripture would say in other passages that the w- eye of the, uh, of, of your, is the window to your soul. Think about that. If in his eyes is a blazing fire, what's that say about what's going on in here? It defines the passion of Christ, right? Isaiah chapter 43, I believe it says, it says that I I have loved you. I, I I, I inscribed your name on the palms of my hands. I have loved you. I mean, God is a consuming fire. He's consumed with love for us. He is a fiery, passionate God who is jealous and loves us. I was listening to worship the other day and I found an old CD of Rachel's we used to give it out, and we have a few, if you want a copy of it, but it's on this song, it says that I love the way that you love me. I love the way that you love me. And if, it, if there's one thing I know is that God's love is fiery. His love is consistent. It's unlike anything else. I mean, like, it, I, after the fire is long gone, there are coals, it is still hot, it is still like he doesn't give up on me. He just doesn't. He still pursues me. He still pursues me. He still pursues me. And if there's one thing I know about him is that he is a God of passion. And that's what fire illustrates the most. So the next several weeks, we're going to talk about different things that the scripture would illuminate that fire represents. But one of the first things that I think that fire represents in scripture is passion. God's passion in this scripture when he came in Exodus It was his passion to define himself to his people. God's passion here in Revelations in His eyes throughout scripture we would see that God show up by by cloud by day and pillar of fire by night. He is a fiery God and a, a God of fiery passion for his people. I think about all that and it makes me ask this question Are you on fire for God? Am I on fire for God? I remember this one time. I uh, I had this uh, friend when I first came to know the Lord. I was I was excited, man. I mean, I was a weird dude. Had long hair. I had a few dreadlocks. I mean, if you could just imagine how much of a mess that is when you only have some. And uh, I had, I had like all these like pot shirts and stuff. And I would go to school every day, and I, I got this this massive Bible, and I'm not lying, it was bigger than this one, which is my favorite one. And uh, and I would take it to school every day because I loved God so much, I wanted my friends. And I'm wearing my pot shirts, and I'm going to school, and I had this one. It was like about the trip in Waldo or something like that. It was weird. Anyways, I'm going to school, and I wanted my friends to know about the Lord, and. and and I remember I would come back to church, and there was these two guys that were older, they were like young adults in the church, and they both had gotten saved. And the one on this camp meeting, he came to me, I'm a senior in high school, and he said, dude, we love watching you on fire for God. And he said, I just want you to know, it'll go out eventually. And I just thought to myself, man, that's, That stinks. And as I think about zeal for the Lord, I've asked several friends that are out of state and some of them that are in state, and I've talked about like being on fire for God. I've gotten multiple different answers, and I do believe that, that, that fire can change inside of us, that it can mature, and that's what I love about what happened with man when they learn that this thing is awesome and dangerous, but when they learn to control the fire, but also keep it burning in their lives. Like, are you still on fire for God, or has it matured to the point where it's not really burning anymore. I don't know if there's anything more significant. Let me show you. I love the scripture, and I I pray that you guys, one of my prayers, honest to God, when I sit right here on, on Tuesday morning and on Thursday, Wednesday morning, and I pray for you guys, one of the things that I pray is I pray that you have a hunger for God's word. Because if not, you're just listening to me, and that's dangerous. So in Scripture, uh, the the church got launched in the New Testament. Jesus uh, was resurrected uh, uh, up out of the grave, and then He ascended to the Father in Heaven. And the church started, and it boomed, man, and the churches were growing. And what was really neat was there was churches happening in a whole bunch of towns as missionaries were going out, and people were getting saved, and the churches were growing. Well, in the book of Revelations, as the book starts... Most people love reading the Bible. They stay pretty clear of the book of Revelations, and I don't know why, because it's a fascinating book. I mean, it's really, really cool, actually, and one of the first like, six chapters is John on this island getting a revelation of Jesus, and Jesus giving him a message to a few of his churches. And so John gets a word, and some of the words that he gets are really encouraging about what's happening in the body of Christ in this area. Now, I can't speak of that time because I didn't live there, and I don't necessarily understand it, but what I've learned is that people generally in areas live the same way. In an area, there's like an attitude. like, Like if racism is popular, it's popular in an area. And it's not so much in this area. And if, if, if homosexuality is popular, it can be popular in areas, but not in other areas. If wealth can be super popular in some areas, but not in other areas. Does this make sense? And so I, I've learned that this is like a means of like the mentality of a people in an area. I think that this is America. And in the book of Revelations, chapter 3, John gave a word to a church called Laodicea. This is what it said. These are the words of the amen, the faithful and the true witness, the ruler of God's creation. He says, I know your deeds. I know your deeds. You're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. And so because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich and I've acquired wealth and I do not need a thing. You do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Sorry, he says, I, I counsel you to buy gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich. White clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness. And salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. To whom I love, I rebuke and I discipline So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and I knock. And if anyone hears my voice, he opens the door and I will come in and eat with him and that person uh, and they will be with me. Fire. Hot or cold. I think about America and I think, what do we need? We don't need anything. You know what's crazy? Is we don't even need anything healing when we're sick. We have doctors and Tylenol, and it's so much easier to just solve it myself. And if I don't have the means, I'll, uh, the doctor will tell me what's wrong or why it ain't happening. and what's, We don't need the Lord for almost anything. The things that we need, you know, we need a new outfit. We go to the store, we buy that outfit, we feel fulfilled. Everything's great. I mean, there's nothing better than coming home from the store with a brand new outfit on. It's like we feel fantastic. In January, I, my wife bought me this new truck. It was the first new vehicle I've ever had in my life. I felt like a Mac Daddy for like the first four months. I was driving with the windows down in January. I thought I was the coolest. And what I've learned is I still got the same problems. And like... Things that we feel like we need, they only solve problems for so long. Now, please don't mistake it. I love that truck. I still love that truck. And that truck solved a lot of problems for us in our marriage because of things. uh, uh, Yeah, we needed a truck. But the truck isn't what we need. And we have to realize that as Americans, there's a lot of needs and wants. Needs aren't really needs in America. And we have to get to the point where we can remember and remind our spirit But What I need is the Lord. And what's so hard about the Lord is that we have everything already been given to us. Like Once we receive Christ, we have relationship with him. So I don't have to press in, right? No. It's like any relationship. Once you're married, you don't have to do anything else, right? I mean, you're married. Try that out, Jack. See how that works out for you. It's like having a new job. You don't have to do anything else. You've got it. Like, you've got the job. You've got the title. You don't have to work harder, do you? The things that we love the most, we will work the most for. We'll sacrifice for because it means something to us. And I think a lot of us are just blessed and good. And he says in the scripture that because you say that you're, you're rich, that you don't have need, I want to challenge you. You need to buy gold from me, refined in the fire. But because you're not hot and you're not cold, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. And this is the problem with the church, is we're not passionate about nothing but football and Seinfeld and The Office or whatever's on TV now, and it's awful. Like the church is in a bad position, and one of the things is that this is why folks aren't going to get saved. Is if we're not fired up about it, why would anyone else want to be? Passion is something that's needed in the church. He is worthy of passion. He's worthy of sacrifice. He's worthy of devotion. He's worthy of our time and our focus. He's worthy. And I ask you, are you on fire for God? So I had to think, what is a fire? Like, what do you need to start a fire? And so I came up with a couple realizations. One, if you want a fire in your life, you, uh, you have to have a need. For any fire, there's a purpose. Are are you in the dark? Do you need light? Why would you do all this work to start a fire? Are you cold? Are you hungry? Do you need safety? Do you need healing? What is it that you need fire for? And I think, I wonder in your life, is there a need in your life? And sometimes the need is just that you realize that you don't have a need and maybe you're missing it. Maybe we're, we're forgetting where all of these blessings are coming from. So the need, and then you have to have a source. And the source of, of fire is always, uh, it's, it's, it's going to be us, you know? Like you're the source of fire in, 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 this, in this world that we live in. Um, what I mean by that is John Wesley said it best, I believe. He said, Lord, set me on fire that the whole world will come watch me burn. I love that. In, Revelations, or no, in Romans chapter 12, it says that we are a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. I think about in the Old Testament, they had a fire in the temple that they would do sacrifice on, and that fire was commanded of the priests to never let the fire go out. They had to constantly keep the fire burning in the temple of God. Constantly keeping the fire burning. We are that fire. And think about what else does a fire need. I don't know if you know, but a fire needs oxygen. Throughout scripture, like in John chapter three, Jesus would say that the the oxygen is the wind of God. It's the Holy Spirit. Like, Like the wind comes from where it comes and no one knows where it comes or goes and this is the Holy Spirit. And what I want you to know is that it's going to be impossible for you to have a burning relationship with God without the Holy Spirit. What do you mean? Prayer minus the Holy Spirit is boring. It's not, it's, it's religion. It's dead. It's clockwork. It's, I'm here and I'm going to go through my list. But when you're fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit and you're listening, there's direction, there's purpose, there's reward. You actually are feeling constantly, uh, what's the word called, when, when someone is coaching you and saying like, this is good, that's, yeah, pray that, pray this, pray this. And you're talking with the Holy Spirit and he's leading you and guiding you in your prayers. Or when you're reading the word, man, man. And one of the other things I know that you need when you start a fire in your life is a spark. You need a spark. What I mean by that is the scripture says that the word of God, let me show you, uh, it's in Jeremiah, I believe. Is not my word like a fire. Declares the Lord, like a hammer that breaks rocks into pieces. Is not my word like a fire? It, it, you'd see this in multiple places, but the word of God is like a fire, and, and you 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 need a spark. And it's going to be so important that without the word, man, you are going to wonder. You're going to live off feelings, and feelings will deceive you. They'll deceive you. They'll deceive you. But the word of God is like a lamp unto our feet. Amen. I mean, the, the word of God brings truth into my situation that's filled with a lot of confusing emotions. Maybe I'm the only one, but it steadies me in the midst of storms. So I think about this, what is a fire and how do I start a fire? Oh, here's a cool verse uh, about fire. It says in Luke, uh, Luke chapter 24, I believe, in in, uh, the disciples, yeah, 24. It says the disciples, after Jesus was resurrected, they walked into Jesus and they talked to him. And he says, they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while we talked on the road and as he opened the scriptures with us? You know what I love? is that when I'm in the midst of a certain, like I'm I'm listening to a podcast or a sermon or I'm reading the word, like I know that I know that this is God because something happens inside of me like nothing else, like no motivational speaker, nothing. I know that God is trying to get my attention because my heart starts turning. God, for you, oh God, for you, oh God, for you, oh God, for you, oh God. So I think about this. You know, David said in Psalms 27, verse eight, he says, You said, Lord, seek my face, and my heart said, your face, Lord, I will seek. I think about that, and uh, yeah, here we go. But you know what's really crazy is uh, we got to have a fire in our life. But a fire can be easily put out. And that's what scares me the most is what happens in the church today is that we can very easily lose our fire if we're not careful. So this is the nuts and bolts of the sermon today, is that are you on fire, and what is a fire? Like, what are the things that we need to be on fire? Well, you have to have, you have to be talking with the Holy Spirit, otherwise it's going to dry up and become dead. You're interacting with God. He is the Holy Spirit. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And if we don't interact with God, it's just religion. You need the word. You need a need in your life that you can apply faith to. So as I'm thinking about these things, I wanted to just, a couple things that'll put it out is one, uh, they were talking about a bushel, you know, like you don't light a fire and put it under a bushel that the world wouldn't see it. And I think about that, and I think, you know, like when I got married, it was such, to some of you guys, like, one of the greatest moments of my life is when my wife said yes. And you know what I wanted to do when she said yes? I made sure that I got a ring and I put it on her finger. You know what the purpose of that ring is, y'all? It ain't for me. And it ain't even for her. It's for all these other jokers out there so that they know. She's mine, yo. She's taken. That's the purpose. Songs of Solomon chapter 4 or 3 would say this way. He says that he is my beloved and I I am his. Because this is what love is. When you're fiery for something, Songs of Solomon is about fiery love. It's about passion. And what you do when you love someone is you claim them. And you want the whole world to know, I'm taken. And when you're on fire for God, one of the things you're going to do is be loud about it. You're going to want the world to know that God is with me. And when I can promise you that this is the difference, when you look at someone that's on fire for God, you can see, do they tell anyone about Jesus? If they tell people about Jesus, there's a fire within them. And you can say whatever you want, but if you don't tell people about Jesus, it's like a marriage. You take the ring off your finger, put it in your pocket, and tell me how good your marriage is. And I'll tell you that you're full of manure. Manure. Am I wrong? Either we are proud to be His or we're not. If you want to keep a fire burning, you don't put a bushel over it, it'll go out. And there's a lot of good stuff still here. One of the other things that I can tell you right now that I know that I know that I know that a fire needs to burn is it needs a source, it needs sacrifice. You gotta keep wood on it. You gotta keep wood on it. You gotta keep sacrifice in on your altar. Here's what I mean. When we talk about a fire, we are the wood. We are what burns. My heart burns. Well, I just read you that verse. Did not our hearts burn within us when he shared those scriptures? Yeah, it came alive. Well, if if we stop sacrificing. And we stop putting effort forward. It will die. And one of the worst kinds of deaths is the slow deaths. When it numbs you and you don't realize it. I know his passion for me. That he is fiery for me because I saw what he did for me on the cross. More importantly, I see what he's still doing for me when I am garbage. And he is beautiful. And he is still responding to me in love. I know that he's still fiery, but if we are living sacrifices, if our bodies are holy, then we've got to keep the fire burning. Like sacrifice is love; you can't love without sacrificing. This is the one. You know, I can. Some of you have heard me say this before. I am one hundred percent convinced. Kids, children, babies do nothing that benefit me. You know why we love them like crazy. Because there's never been anyone that we've had to give so much for than an infant. And so it's so hard to not love them. They throw up. They cry all the time. They spit up. They poop. You change their diaper. They poop. They need, they're hungry. Now they need a nap. You have to tiptoe around the house. You can't watch television. Like it's so hard. You're constantly sacrificing for this little baby that doesn't do anything for you that's love that's what he shows us if you want to love Christ more turn up your sacrifice make it harder and some people are like you know what I don't have time to pray I wish I did I believe one of the greatest tricks that the enemy is doing in this generation is just keeping us busy if you want to sacrifice something try your time your time is one of the most valuable things in the world to you and I can prove it you want to know why? Because if you work at Geico, Geico says, you know how valuable your time is? $15, $18 an hour, $20 an hour. Okay, I'll give you my time. For $20 an hour, sold. And Jesus says, can I get some time? Oh, I, I ain't got it. I ain't got it. Okay, so your time is worth $15 or $18 or $25 or $30 or $8 an hour, but... Not worth Jesus. I can tell you why you're not on fire. If you want to burn for the Lord, you're going to have to sacrifice. And time is a perfectly acceptable sacrifice for Jesus. And you're going to need the Holy Spirit. And some of us don't know how to talk to him. And I'm, and I'm, I'm telling you, that like, like I've said this so many times from the stage, the Holy Spirit, like it's, it's not even mystical or anything crazy. The first thing that you'll learn, if you want to know the voice of God, my son and I are talking about it almost every day, is what does the voice of God sound like? And I tell him, but you may never hear the voice of God. I'm sorry. Some people don't. But it doesn't mean you won't hear God's voice. And he says, what do you mean? And I said, well, look at it this way. Um, if you have a bat, which you don't know my son, but he plays baseball in my house every day. Every day. Every day. Soccer in my house on the stairs, throws it up, comes down, throws it up, comes down, throws it up, comes down. And he'll do this for, I mean, forever. And without me saying a word, I can look at him, son, and he knows already what I want. You know what I'm talking about? Without God saying a word, you can know what he's saying with an impression. The first word any of us learn in English is the same word that we learn in Spanish. It's the same word we'll learn in spirit. It's no. No. Don't do no. Don't do that. Don't do that. And another word you'll learn really quickly is yes. That's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. We see it all over Genesis chapter 1. It is good. It is good. It is good. And it will confirm that keep moving, keep moving, keep moving, keep moving. Am I on fire for God? Deb, would you come? Am I on fire for the Lord? I don't know if this makes sense at all, but I pray that you can find sacrifice in your life this week and you can find ways to tell other people that he is your beloved and you are his. I believe that this will set you on fire. I believe that this will set you on fire. I believe that if you share your faith this week, that you will feel the fire of God grow in you like never before. Fire is it's meant to be spread. Man just learned how to control it. Lord, you said, "Seek my face." My heart said, "Your face, Lord, I will seek." I want to love you the way that you love me the way you reach me the way your kindness the way you get to me when I'm ugly or I'm mean or I'm hurting or I'm broken you come, you break through and I want to love you that way God I want to love this I want to reach people out there the way you love me I want to do great things for you God in my heart it burns within me when I'm hearing the scriptures unfold because I know I, you're calling me to do great things I want to live for you. I want to live for you. I want to burn for you, God.